Welcome, everybody, uh-huh. to another edition of the Toogie's Take podcast. We're back. It's us, the guys, the fellas, for another edition of your favorite hockey broadcast, a hockey podcast that's barely about hockey, especially if you listened to our episode earlier in the week where we talked about the power of friendship for 40 minutes, and it was delightful. And my friends, I am glad to be here with you yet again. Mr. Sin for the win. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Just checking fools and be a pro. and Yeah, absolutely destroying things. I also injured Mitch Marner in that game. And I did that only playing 10 minutes because, uh, you know, I the game simmed when the goalie covered it. So that, you know, killed the rest of the clock. That's a fun thing that's been in the game for five plus years. Yeah, but have you ever considered how changing control schemes that nobody wanted to change is more important? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. Endurance M. How are you? Yes. You know, this is an audio podcast, too. You can't just nod your head. <laughs> yes. Tremendous. Great contribution. Me... All right. Yeah. He's yeah. Yeah, Endo's in fine form today. So this should be yes. I've this should be a fun one. I peaked last week when you guys were fucking buttering me up like a fucking croissant. So, you know, it's all good. Um, no, I'm doing all right. Uh, I've been super busy with uh, with work and a video that I'm making for a company, which I, I don't think I can really specify which one. But, you know, two of the three of us have had influence with that company. Uh, I'm not going to specify years. which one, but I'm going <laughs> to narrow, no. narrow it down yeah. a shit Yeah, narrow ton. it down. The, the real ones, the real <laughs> followers know who I'm talking about. I'm going to report you for breach of NDA. There's no NDA. It's verbal. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> another example of when Endo says I got him a job. Um, today, gentlemen, we do have quite a bit of hockey to talk about, actually, surprisingly. Although when we get to it, we'll be down to the strength of the, the viewer questions that we ended up with. And man, the bar is high after earlier in the week. It's a lot of fun. So I'm hoping that we have some good ones today. But of course, before we get down to business we have to get down to business and mention that this podcast is brought to you by our lovely friends over at manscape.com i want to remind you that you can use the code toogie that's t-o-u-g-i-e for 20 percent off your order and you get free shipping on top of that it is an honor to still be best friends with our friends at manscape the the best the pinnacle the peak in men's grooming and of course It's holiday season coming up, everybody. You will not find better stocking stuffers, better gift packages in general for the the packages in your life. Manscaped.com. Treat your package right. Have they run them with that as a tagline yet? If they haven't, they'll get there. Um, As it is (laughs) on their site right now, um, they have... um, an advert for their perfect package 5.0 ultra, um, which comes with uh, the face trimmer, the, the nether region trimmer and the uh, everything that you would need. And it's like a ribbon that's, um, you know, spiraling downwards as the products are sliding along the ribbon. Uh, But the ribbon is like a carpet because, you know, man's They have some tremendous, some tremendous advertising. That's all I'm going to say. They they know their brand. 
they know it well. Manscaped.com. Let's get to some viewer questions, gentlemen. Let's do it. Why not? I'm here for it. From Scroopy Noopers. Long-time listener. Not a first-time caller. Has added a, lo- a lot of questions over the, the past year or so. Question for the podcast. Please provide your opinions on these mock trades. I'm down oh, for boy. it. Oh, yep, boy. Yeah, I'm right. down for it. Up first, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yay. Trade William Nylander. I was expecting a boo. Um, to the Anaheim Ducks for forward Frankie Vetrano, a defensive prospect. He lists either Tyson Hines or Noah Warren, and a conditional first-round pick that's top five protected. Why the hell would they... Like, Vetrano's solid, I guess, but mm-hmm. they need a defenseman, not a defensive prospect. Yeah... Yeah, so honestly, we were going to talk about the Leafs a little bit later on anyway, and I feel like we can use this to kind of segue into that conversation. They played in Florida last night. They lost. Uh, Panthers fans hit the Leafs with the You Got Florida chance, uh, which wasn't really surprising. And in general, the Leafs didn't look all that great. Um, You know, we have talked... Uh, at length already about the Ryan Reeves conversation that's going on. Um, but they have more problems than just how effective Ryan Reeves is or is not at this stage. Um, and I was looking again with our uh, our lovely friend at, at Hockey Stats Card on the Twitter side of things. And I was looking at the Leafs numbers in that particular game against the Panthers and no real surprise, um, another pretty rough game for John Klingberg, who continues to be inconsistent. He was actually better defensively last night than offensively. He got a really good um, assist, except it was uh, to the Florida Panthers. Yes, yes. I um, I, I watched uh, Steve Dangle's LFR on the topic, and uh, his reaction to the Leafs' uh, defense, if you want to call it that, was absolutely tremendous um it is worth noting that ryan reeves had the lowest positive impact of any leaf again last night um but there's also a lot of conversation about some of the other players uh frazier minton uh, barely played last night you know a 19 year old kid that made the team it seems more than likely he's gonna find his way he's back no down to junior um, yeah, oh, don't worry. We'll talk about Matt Potter and the Bruins in a second. Oh, I know because, we will. Uh, that was that was relevant to you and I last night. Yeah. Um, you also had Max Domi, who continues to struggle. <clears throat> I mean, it's only a couple of games into the season, but a lot of Leafs fans aren't happy with him at this stage, and there's a lot of questions about what do they but do did with you the see defense? in training camp when he and Reeves were battling in the corner? They're going to teach the rest of the team. They're going to show them how to do that. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to make of this because I'm trying to decipher whether or not a lot of conversations about the Leafs are like, where is the line between legitimate versus their five, four or five games into the season and this is what people do when they be overreactionary. 
I'm not sure where that line is at this stage. And I will say that the idea of trading William Nylander is well on the line of over-exaggerating in terms of like, well, he's probably going to leave. You keep that guy. You yeah. use him as a, a self-rental, essentially, except you already have him. Even if you're going to lose him at the end of the year, uh, you are more likely to be successful if you have William Nylander on that team. So you definitely don't look to trade him. But I don't know what they they look to do because last season, what was it? Seven games into the season, they had the Western road trip that didn't go well or the Albertan road trip, whatever, that didn't go well. People were calling for Sheldon Keefe's head and then they ended up making the second round. You could argue whether or not that's enough as to whether they should have made changes. But uh, like I said, I just can't really decipher where is that line right now between, oh, God, panic versus no valid concerns, given it is, and I double checked, four games into the season. Endo, you look like you're having a fun time talking about this. Give it a month. I'm, I'm, I'm like tired of the whole discourse with everything. Domi needs time to get ready. Klingberg needs to wake up. Um, it's easy just to say that shit, and because you know you're a fan, and you're sitting on a podcast talking about hockey, you can say, "Oh, we need to step up." But at the same time, a lot of teams have good camps. A lot of teams have bad camps. The the, the Philadelphia Flyers are supposed to be a terrible team this year. Right now, they're the top of their division. They're one of the best teams in the league right now. They did it's that the first last four or five year games. too, I think. Yeah, exactly. They're supposed to have a terrible year this year. Carter Hart's supposed to be traded away for fucking whatever picks or players or prospects to come in. And I think, generally speaking, you cannot write off an entire season within the first, not even a week, not even two weeks, within the first month. Because you can have teams go on absolute tears for the rest of the year or completely shit the bed. Like the only teams that have exceptions to that are probably like teams that definitely know that you know they're not going to be a top contender, like uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Like they're they're they know their whole thing is the tank and get another pick. And now with Kirby Doc going down, which we'll talk about in a bit, and other stuff happening in that franchise, like their their thing is just riding it out. You're gonna have obviously some weird situations where top teams are not playing well and teams that are basically fighting for whatever basically making minimum wage like those kids who are trying to get called up to make basically minimum wage excuse me they're gonna have a stronger start possibly because you know they're hungrier and they want to have that 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 drive in them so i think maybe in a month i think any takes that we have right now in terms of like team longevity to come back to us in a month Anything about individual players, I think that's fair criticism because a player himself can be underperforming, but if a whole team is underperforming as a unit, it's because they haven't gelled yet. That's the way I see it. I will say, um, I think it's when, to me, when when three of the biggest question marks on the team are signings that were made in the offseason. I, I look at it as more of an organizational problem rather than just a team problem. Like you're right. Um, you know, they haven't had time to really figure it out. It's still early on. Um, yeah. but the, in my opinion, the only reason they're not Owen four is because Matthews has two hat tricks. Mm. That's the Very only true. reason they're not Owen four. both those games. They allowed way too many goals. Um, the only reason they win is because Matthews and Nylander <laughs> went pretty ham. Um, yeah. 
the things that I keep seeing, the whole narrative was you bring in Ryan Reeves, no one takes liberties. Buddy, there are so many liberties taken against the Leafs in that game. Ryan Reeves didn't stop shit. And then, yeah. oh, well, he wasn't on the ice at the time. That was that was your argument, that his presence alone would deter people from that. Except it's not the 90s and 2000s anymore. Um, yeah. And then it, the, the narrative turns to Mitch Marner needs to be tougher and all this other crap. And it's just like... <laughs> You draft. You didn't draft Matthew Kachuk. You drafted Mitch Marner. He is what he is. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's very telling that management does what they do in the offseason. Get rid of Kyle Dubas. New GM brings in Domi, um, Bertuzzi, Reeves, and Klingberg. Three out of four of those are doing abysmally. Bertuzzi's been okay, but now there's criticism coming in against him. Oh, he doesn't skate fast. Oh, he doesn't hit like his uncle. He doesn't play. The fuck? Why do you want these guys to be carbon copies of their dads and uncles? Number one, that's yeah. stupid. Uh, <laughs> it's it's, it's just... a whole different era that they played in. Like yeah. when they when they announced that Domi was going to be here. I mean, Leafs fans have been asking for Max Domi to come to Toronto for years just because of his dad and his mm-hmm. lineage. And is in and one of his first press conferences after preseason was over, the first thing they asked him, one of the first things they asked him was, Hey, why didn't you take your dad's number? Let the kid do his own legacy. He's already got more career fucking points than his dad does after like three years of being in the NHL. Ty Nummy wasn't a goal scorer. I don't think I have to tell anybody else that that because that's the fucking truth. He's been in the league for way longer than three years, buddy. Mm-hmm. A lot longer. Yeah. I know, but in his first three years. He had more points than his dad had in his entire career. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I that's what the point I was trying to make there. But it's okay. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's the whole boomer mentality of thinking, oh, last name. Oh, I connect the dots. Yeah, he's got to play like him. Got to play like that. It, it is. It, it's. I think that is the death of uh, Leafs Nation. Is I think I think it's literally the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result, and it's all the same result every single time. I, I don't know where to go from there. Um, I had the pleasure of last week sitting beside two Marley's ticket season holder, a uh, season ticket holders in a game, and they were the exact same people who, like, every single time something happens, it's like shoot. There's like fifth. There's like five people blocking the shooting lane. They are me. They they are me when I play Eshel. Just shooting right at the ankles every single time. And they're always like, oh, whatever. It's so-and-so. Is this not too good? Not too bad. And one more thing, not about Bertuzzi and Domi. They just made an announcement. They're calling up Pontus Holmberg. The Leafs are calling up Pontus Holmberg to shake up the top, the, the bottom six. Why don't you call up Nick Robertson? Because he's terrible. Maybe AHL leading scorer Nick Robertson, four goal, four points in one, in like five points in two games. Nick Robertson. But is he good though? Yeah. Is he tough? <laughs> Can he play those gritty minutes? I think that's Hold the on, issue. I, the Leafs have. Let me have read the article here. So much like uh, talent, supposedly. I don't know. Uh, they don't so have good depth the, scoring. Yeah. The coach likes his upside. The upside Holmberg brings. This is from Sportsnet.ca, and was particularly bullish on the sixth rather's impact in the first half of his 37-game NHL stint last year. Uh, five goals, 13 points, 18 penalty minutes, but believes his impact weakened as the playoff stretch neared. 
He has a good skill set. Yeah, it's great. You just you just want a big guy? You just want big? Why don't you call Cal Cal Clifford? He's just sitting there in the minors. He probably have a bigger mm. impact than Ryan Reeves did, and for probably this, I think the same amount of cap hit too. Like it makes no sense. So, first, first and foremost, because I mean, we just let Endo go there, and that was beautiful. In regards to the standings, you are correct. Um, there are teams like Edmonton and Seattle in the bottom five. They're the first four or five games. Like Seattle looks fucking atrocious, dude. <laughs> Yeah, it hasn't been a great start so far. We're Shane. Um, what the fuck? In looking at the Maple Leafs specifically here, though, there are four games. A 6-5 shootout win over Montreal in the season opener, in which they were almost down 3 nothing, mm-hmm. but had the goal called back. 7-4 win over Minnesota. 4-1 loss to Chicago. 3-1 loss to Florida. They have not allowed less than three goals in the game. Yes, there is an yep. empty netter in Florida, but. Mm-hmm. On top of that, the Leafs roster, I've heard a lot of people say this, and I do agree with it, especially now based on the conversation that we're having. The problem with the Leafs roster isn't, oh, we lack a tough guy like Ryan Reeves, an active deterrence. The problem isn't one player. It is the team in general. And I've seen Leafs fans mention this for God knows how long. And it's just the idea that you are not in for a tough physical game when you play the Toronto Maple Leafs. You can look back to the uh, honestly, the 2012-13 season when they almost beat the Bruins in round number one. Sorry to bring it up. But at the same time, you look at who they had in that lineup for those games. And granted, not the highest skill in the world. But yeah. you did have Colt Noor, Jay McClement, Leo Komarov, Dion Phaneuf. Like Carl you had Anderson. guys that would push back and at least provide that grit without it being like oh don't you mess with don't you mess with us because we'll get our big brother ryan to come out and show you that doesn't work and like sin mentioned it's not a matter like you're only going to get so much physicality out of a mitch marner like i agree you want to see mitch marner stand up for himself you want to see fellow players stand up for mitch but at the same time the lineup just is what it is. There's there's a reason why the Kachucks are so highly sought after. The idea of, yeah, they can put up points, but also Matthew Kachuk might get himself ejected from multiple playoff games. Um, you know, it, that's an abundant resource at this stage. It's either you have the skill or you have the grit. Not too many players have both. And that's kind of the situation that the Leafs still find themselves in. They also and, got rid of the people who had both. They scapegoated Nazem Kadri. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. you fucking did this to yourself. Leafs fans simply don't know what they want. They're like the they're like the uh, EA NHL community. Jesus. They don't fucking know what they want. They I just mean, they're, they're just reactionaries. The yeah, considering most of the community is based in fucking southern Ontario. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> it's a, it's a, there, there's a parallel in between the two of those. The, the, the worst takes in the community also happen to be from Leaf fans. Like, it's, it's, it's just. I don't know. I, I, I see the Brat Pack on Twitter on occasion. There's some pretty flaming hot takes coming from New Jersey. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, just hot takes or um, weird is... stances on certain things. Yeah, just hot takes. Yeah. I like I said, I don't know what to make of this Leafs roster just because you need know, to talk about that kind of grit and determination. It's like defensively, who who's that going to come from? Out of, out of these six, who has the best reputation for being gritty? In your minds, Endo is a Leafs fan. Sin is a Sharks fan. They have Morgan Riley and TJ Brody on the top pairing. Mm-hmm. Jake McCabe and John Klingberg. Mark Giordano and Timothy Liljegren. Mark Giordano. Right? I mean, it, like, I would think, well, if it's not him, it it's probably like Jake ball. McCabe. But even then, the fact that your first gut instinct is like, it's probably Mark Giordano, the 40-year-old. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit concerning. Like they did have Jake Muzzin, who would have provided that, but obviously his career is essentially over at this stage. They got rid of Shen, who yep. I don't know why. They they signed Klingberg over Shen. May I remind you of that? And John Klingberg mm. is having statistically this is early in the season already, but he is already offensively depleted. I don't know what it was, or I don't know if this is all about you know Brad Tr living in the moment. But, you know, having an offensive-based defensive team and then no defense prospects in the development system at all fucked the Toronto Maple Leafs this season. They were they were perfect with the additions they had last year. They just run up like, went up against a good team in Florida last season in the playoffs. If they kept to their guns, excuse me, and they, they kept people if they could and not go out and give Ryan Reeves for over a million dollars because you have guys in the system who can play that role already. I mean, Kyle Clifford had like a fight with like three people on Sunday in the A, and that was fucking great. It, it just, it, the, the more it's like, oh, he's a he's a media magnet. So like every time the media comes in, they talk to him instead. It's like, that's you don't not, pay that's a guy a million dollars. So long. Yeah, you don't pay a guy a million dollars to talk to the press. You pay him league minimum at most. But I guess he and has a really good year. fucking agent. A really good fucking agent. They get him million dollar deals year in, year out. He's getting four million. What is it? Four million over three years? More than four million. He's I think his AAV is one point three. One point three five. So it is a that's four, fucking insane. A four point oh five million dollar contract. Fuck, like, that's man. so insane for a thirty six year old enforcer. He's nothing else but that. I don't it's it's that's nuts. You could grab a guy from the ECHL and fill his role in. I'm not even, not even a shot at like Ryan Reeves himself, but like you know he had he had a good career of being that guy, but he's just not that guy anymore. At least not that guy in a team that doesn't really need it. Well, I could see him. I could see him on like a like a team like Arizona or a team that's in the bottom. That you know puts him as uh, one of the a former Leaf GM said to put some seats in to fill some seats with the acquisition of Phil Kessel. Like, I don't see him – I don't see, like, a role for him on the Leafs. Like, I really don't. Like, even now that we, like, have gameplay of him actually playing in, he hasn't really been an offensive bonus, even if, even in terms of, like, starting fights and everything. Like, you, you fought against the Wild, your former team, 
whoa, you guys had a, it was a blowout game, but still bad defensively on their end. Like, here's the the one thing about Ryan Reeves. I like Ryan Reeves first and foremost. I like his personality. I do think he's good for the game. However, and this was something I discovered when uh, doing my roster editing for NHL 23 last year. Ryan Reeves doesn't fight. Yeah. Let me repeat this. Ryan Reeves does not fight, at least compared to how much you think he would fight. Um, I was using HockeyFights.com as a reference to track any player that I edited and how often they would fight. And I would assign, okay, they average this many fights a year, so are they never, rarely, sometimes, or often? A lot of people, I think, by default, would expect Ryan Reeves to be in that often category. But he's not. And that is because people are smart enough to not fucking fight the guy because they know he's going to collapse an orbital bone. So the problem is you got this guy in as an enforcer and to fight, but he doesn't often end up fighting anybody because people will avoid it as if their life fucking depends on it. So is and he just a really shitty power a, forward? It's like, not is a that fair trade-off. No, he's an enforcer, but he the game has moved on. You don't have... Too, not too many teams have that guy to send out there to be like, this is worth the trade-off because mm -hmm. that's what it used to be. That was the old system of, oh, tough guys. It was the idea of, well, we'll send our tough guy out there to fight your tough guy because we don't want our skill player fighting your tough guy because that's not a fair trade. So we right. will have our tough guy fight your tough guy. And that system is dependent upon, oh, well, I, I don't want to see Mark get hurt so uh, let's avoid situations where, well, sorry, Mark, you had to go out there and get your ass kicked because this is how the game was going. Like, that's what the system of enforcers was based on. You would you would never see, really. Let me know if there are any examples of Wayne Gretzky fighting fucking Bob Probert. That didn't happen. It would be, hey, Marty McSorley, go get your face punched in by Bob. Thank you. That's what it was. And now you don't have those guys to go out there and say, well, we're not going to let Mitch get his fucking face punched in by Ryan Reeves. Who are we going to send out there? Uh, uh, well, in fairness, it wouldn't be Mitch by Ryan Reeves, but you get the point. It's the idea. Uh, Buffalo isn't going to be like, all right, Casey Middlestat, go <laughs> fight Ryan Reeves. Yeah, That's not going to fucking happen. Um, there were, Like I said, there are very few guys that you would even consider in that category anymore like yeah. a ross johnston maybe but at the same time how valuable is is no disrespect to the guy congrats you're an nhl or you're making good money good for you and i don't say that sarcastically but how many people are going to be like yeah we got ross johnston as opposed to I'd say like the Buffalo Sabres are running guys in their bottom six, like Paterka and Peyton Krebs. Like, what are you going to be more excited about? Um, yeah. Worst I don't part necessarily about the think thing. it's people picking on Ryan Reeves. I think it's just more people kind of screaming from the rooftops. Like what the hell are we even doing here anymore? Because the league isn't the same and you can't have this designated literal enforcer. Like that is the whole thing. The term is enforcer because Ryan Reeves is out there to enforce. 
well, there's there's nothing to enforce right now. Because, again, people can ragdoll the Leafs and then, okay, Ryan Reeves is going to go after um, Sasha Barkov. Sasha Barkov's just going to turtle. Where's the incentive then for the Florida Panthers to not play a gritty game? Oh, here comes Ryan. Duck and cover. Refs break it up. Okay. Nothing happened. The end. It's like, <sighs> I, I worry for Leafs fans right now. I mean, I've, wor I've worried about Leafs fans for a long time because I have a lot of friends who are Leafs fans, and it's been a rough go. Um, I just I don't see how this team will work. I still, you know, whether or not it's the, the physical debate, the Ryan Reeves debate, the whole, like, what is the identity of the Leafs? You gave John Klingberg over $4 million. And look, I know some people will be like, well, he has three points in four games. And then there's other people who look beyond that at the analytical side of things and see that his numbers are in a fucking nosedive, <laughs> especially his defensive numbers. If you look at something like the J Fresh cards, uh, his defensive numbers are, um, you know, those those fish with the light bulb on their fucking head because they're at the bottom of the ocean, so you can't mm -hmm. fucking see anything? He's yeah. one of those. He's just one of those fucking fish at the bottom of the goddamn defensive ocean who just has a little flashlight to try and navigate where the fuck he's going, but he has no goddamn idea. Those and fish are actually blind. The, the flashlight attracts prey. It makes even more sense now than <laughs> I thought. <laughs> Man. Like I'm looking at this right now, like the the last generation of this kind of like enforcer type player, I think honestly are the Jack Eyes, like both Arbor and Florian. Like right now, I'm looking at points for Arbor, and he's like gonna average possibly like projected to get like 27 points, and like 574 penalty minutes in one season. What he's supposed to apparently get because he's got 21. Mm -hmm. He's got one. <laughs> He's got one fourth of the amount of penalty moments he had last season with the Canadians. I mean, it ended early because he played fifty-one games. Um, I'm actually curious to know what is like, you know, what what other effect he has on the games. I, yeah, like I don't, I don't know what else he does. It's so, just to um, just to talk about this really, um, really quickly as well, and the um, I wanted to say this about Arbor Jacki. That was supposed to be, okay, Ryan Reeves, get out there and fight Arbor Jackeye. Yeah. That didn't go too well. At least not as well yeah. as some people thought it would go. Get it with the Falcon kick, brother. Like, what the hell? Um, for the record, from an analytical perspective, eh, it's not the not the prettiest picture for Arbor, Arbor Jackeye, by the okay. way. Yeah, yeah, but the good um, thing is he's, st he's actually still young. He's 22. Yeah. He's 22. I didn't realize he was that fucking young. Yeah, crazy. Costco. Yeah, Costco worker. I love how people make fun of him for being a Costco worker, but at the same time, um, you know, a good friend of mine um, uh, who I grew up with, he just got signed to Princeton uh, for next year for NCAA hockey. Yeah, props to you, Julian. Um, he's an old, he's not an overager, but he's done his school and everything. He's got a year off. Like he he's like working while he plays junior hockey. Hmm. Most people like, have to. when you're when you're nineteen twenty, you're you're working a job and still playing junior. You're not really going to university or going to college because you're still playing junior hockey, like in the OHL, AHL, the OHL, um, WHL, QMJ, BCHL, USHL, all those like major hockey leagues. 
half of the time they're like working while they play. So for people to chirp and be like, oh, he worked at Costco. My, my dude had a job, of course. Like when you're 19, 20, you're trying to make money to live and live on your own and do your own shit. But that doesn't look too bad for Arbor Jack guy. Yeah. So what I what I just sent in the chat here is um, the hockey stat card for Montreal's last game, which was October 17th against the Minnesota Wild. They lost five to two. Arbor Jacki was fifth on the Habs in terms of uh, positive performance in that particular game. Uh, offensively, wasn't so hot. He had the best defensive game of anybody on the Habs in that 5-2 loss. Dude, you get I, a believe, guy, I believe it was a 5-2 loss. Like, uh, it, it was, yeah. If he's an effective defenseman and can also enforce, that's that's the future. Again, like you think of a guy like, you know, the Kachucks or, or anyone else who has that kind of power forward game or that edge to their game, Sam Bennett, like crazy how so many of them are on Florida. But like, mm. that's the thing. You, you, you can't just be a specialist, really. At least a specialist who fights. That's not a specialty anymore. Like, you know, the thing you about be hybrid. Yeah, the thing about Kachuk is that he'll he'll maybe throw down. He's got to be. He's he's getting better at you know picking his spots, especially understanding his own value now. But if you're the other team, you're like, well, we could take Kachuk off the ice. Well, I guess we'll deal with the re- repercussions. But that's what makes him effective. Is that you? You're not just going to be like ignore the guy. You're like, oh, we have a chance to take him off the ice at least for five minutes. So that's five minutes that he can't fuck around with us. And yeah, you, again, you have to bring something else to the table. And that's what I, you know, Arbor Jack is a solid defenseman, and you know he brings that, and then he also brings that other side where you know. You can fuck shit up. You just have to. You have to bring that. You cannot be a fighting specialist anymore in this league. It, it doesn't work. I mentioned Ryan Reeves and, and fighting. Do you guys have a guess of the last time Ryan Reeves hit double digits in terms of fights in a season? I'm going to say... I'm going to say 2014. Yeah. 2013 14, he had 10 fights. Since then, his highest was eight, which was yep. the following season. Uh, last season, he had seven. I posted oh. that comparison on Twitter between him and Perry because he's fucking going on. So Perry's not that tough. And literally, in the last five years, Perry only has one less fighting major than he does and is a far, far, far more like effective player. And I know, and you know, there's certain people going to jump on that being like, well, that's not, you know, that they're different players. I'm like, yeah, that's the point. It's that Perry fights and he also does all this shit. He changed his game as he needed to. Reeves doesn't have that capability. He so is what he s- is. And it's not so good. The, the second part of Scroopy's question. Should we get to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that, that, yeah at least we covered the leaves. We did. We did. I don't know if, if anyone speak now forever hold your peace if you had anything else to add. No. Uh, in regards to the Toronto Maple Leafs, but our uh, prospect pool is barren when it comes to anything but offense. You don't fucking need it. Like your core is fine and expensive. Why that's another thing about Leafs fans. I'm going to say this last thing. Y'all just want to have prospects constantly. No, I'm saying like our prospect pool as in, like, guys who we could develop, we have no defense. All we have are, like, offensive guys. Like, no, no like, defensive forwards, no defensive defensemen, no defensive goalies. Like, 
like what what's going on here? Like that that's the whole thing. I will stop the leaf tirade because I know people are tired of hearing about the fucking leaves twenty four seven. Trust me, I'm tired about hearing the leaves twenty four seven. Next second half of the question. Go ahead, please. I will say Endo's not wrong. There there's a, a handful of defensive guys in the leaf system, uh, and none of them have like the super high name value. But they are they ECHLers also- at most. And when I say that, I mean like ECHL, ECHLers, not AHLers on ECHL contracts. Okay. Minimum wage. Minimum wage. The second half of Scroopy's question, who is a Ducks fan, if you couldn't guess, um, was speculating a deal about the Tampa Bay Lightning acquiring John Gibson. Um, now, obviously... The idea of, hey, John Gibson's been rumored to be out of Anaheim for a while because... I'm just going to say no. He has multiple years left on his deal, and Tampa's up against the cap, and Vasilevsky is signed. But I'll hear hear his thing. I think it's, yeah. It was a very similar kind of basis as the Nylander deal. Um, And the thing is, you're right. John Gibson is under contract at $6.4 until 2027. Yeah, you're not moving that. Do the Lightning probably need a goalie? Yeah. Through four games, Jonas Johansson has a 3-5-4 goals against average and an 8-94 save percentage. They are likely to need to make a move here at this stage to kind of get somebody else in there um, who can be that guy. You, if you're Anaheim, are not moving John Gibson at that price, particularly to the Tampa Bay Lightning without retaining a pretty solid amount of cap. And at the same time, I highly doubt the Lightning would want to... uh, Now, he speculated a a name, and and Anthony Sorelli, who I can't imagine being moved. He is uh, one of numerous players signed until 2031. He is a part of their core. Um, Like I said, I I, I get the Ducks fandom. Maybe a bit too strong at this point. Way Um, too strong. Yeah. I'm trying hell? to be nice about it. Uh, um, I'm not. I'm going to put you on fucking the, the, the Twitter meme trade pages. There you go. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he does mention, though, should the Ducks consider going at, should the Ducks consider going after a game changer or should they stay the course? You stay the course. Like, that yeah. is not. It's okay to continue to be bad. Leo Carlson showed up last night. He scored in his first game. That was great. Enjoy mostly being terrible. Because you can't guarantee that the core that you have is is good enough to be anywhere near competitive, especially like think about how much you'd have to add. You're a Ducks fan. Think about how much that team would have to add to be competitive with Colorado, to be competitive with Vegas. I'm only going to name those two teams. There are other the Dallas Stars in the Western Conference. Enjoy the ride, much like Sin's doing with the Sharks. Yeah. I'm riding. (laughs) (laughs) We might as well talk about it really quickly. Last night, the Sharks played the Boston Bruins. Bruins! Oh, the Bruins. (laughs) The Bruins brew on it, man. A 3-1 victory for the Bruins, including two goals. quite close to your prediction, by the way. Yeah, so hold on. Let me let me go back in the text because we were talking throughout this game as I continually uh, accidentally spoiled. Yeah, you um, fucker. Yeah, because you were behind what I was seeing. 
Uh, I predicted a 3-2 Bruins win, and you said 5-4. Come on now. Um, how do you feel <laughs> about hope. predicting the Sharks to score four goals in a game? <laughs> no, that, that wasn't even – I mean, it was less of a prediction and more of like this is what I want to happen. I'm trying to manifest mm-hmm. it into existence because I, I want the young guys to fucking produce, and it's it's painful right now, man. Because what, I mean, what Quinn's trying to do is spread the talent. The problem with that is, is your Bilbo fucking Baggins, your butter scraped over too much bread. There's not enough talent to spread it. I'm just like, give me two top six skill lines and two bottom six bullshit grit lines. The thing is, the fourth line for the Sharks has looked like one of their best lines. Yeah. So just lean into that. Put more skill together. Put more grit together. Stop putting Eklund with fucking Cunning because the man drops him dimes and Cunning misfires. But also Eklund needs to start shooting. He had a really good opportunity to shoot and the man passed it in the he, he fucking NHL'd it. He fucking yeah. NHL 23'd it and I I would that was the first time I've been mad at that boy. So again, I refer to our, our lovely friend at hockey stats cards. Um which again, these cards um go off of game score comparison, which is, you know, as they explain on the cards, a combination of offense, defense, their outright production, which is points, uh, and then miscellaneous stuff like penalties drawn, face-offs, and just an overall impact that somebody has on the game. Uh, Luke Cunning was the worst forward on the Sharks um, yep. by quite a bit. They were um, barely any players with a positive impact in that game for the Sharks. Duclair was one of them who scored their lone goal. Um, Hurdle was up there, too. Man even tried to pass, too. No one wants to shoot. Yeah. Um, but there was somebody who had an historically bad game by this measure. Um, a shout out to tank commander pickles, Mark <laughs> Edward Vlasic. I, what a fucking name. Sim, Sim was on a roll trolling Leaf Brandon. <laughs> Amazing. Fuck. Um, beautiful. One of the worst performances in recent memory like it was astonishing and it was 90 percent his defensive metrics like he got eaten alive by the bruins um who you know the flip side um they look great you know they they did um there were very few players who had any sort of kind of negative impact in terms of the game um, it was primarily uh, Lucic, Lauko, and Matt Patra, um, which you know, there's been a lot of talk about Matt Patra whether or not he'll be sent back as well. I really do think they should they should keep him up there. Um, there is credence to the idea of send a guy back to junior, let him dominate after getting that taste of the NHL, and then come back. Um, the problem is uh, who fills in for him. And on, on roster, well, Beecher's already there on the fourth oh, line. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Um, you're looking at either Patrick Brown, who's been a fringe NHLer his entire career. Um, no disrespect, of course. You're looking at maybe calling somebody up like Jesper Boakvist from the AHL or a guy that keeps lingering around the team in Danton Heinen, which I can't help but think they're just holding on. They're... Uh, <laughs> 
what what is what is the term? What is the term in date? Was it monkey branching or whatever the hell? Where it's like, okay, I'm holding on to Danton Heinen for dear life because I want Matt Patra. And I'm not going to let go of Danton Heinen until I know that my new best friend, Matt Patra, is yeah. worth holding on to. <laughs> my thought is that Matt Patra will be pushed to the side for now and they're going to go back to best friend Danton Heinen. Um, oh, yeah. Friendship over with... <laughs> at least for this season. Yeah. Um, I can't help but think that that's going to be the case, but I would love for Matt Potter to stick around. But um, the Bruins look great. And the thing is, too, uh, I don't have too much to add about the Bruins at this stage because, one, the bottom line is they're doing what they need to do. They have played a Chicago team who were on the second half of a back-to-back with travel, and they beat them. You should win that game, and they did. They beat Nashville, who can be a little bit tricky, especially with the UC Saros in goal, but they beat them, and now they beat a bottom-feeding Sharks team. Like, let's be honest. Sin Sin knows this. The Sharks are going to be one of the worst teams in the league this year. So from the Bruins' perspective, three games, three wins that you should probably have, three wins that they do have. So I'm I'm happy so far. You know, I'm not under the illusion of, like, 82-0, and here we come. I'll joke about it. Um, but you know, they're looking okay. I could sit here and overly dissect like, well, you know, Jake DeBrusk and Pavel Zaka don't have a point yet. The Bruins are winning. I don't give a shit about individual stats. It's about wins at this stage and they've looked good. Um, and they still have the best goalie tandem in the league. Um, Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman, unless something drastic happens, they will be right up there for the Jennings again. Um, and I could see, I mean, Jesus Christ, Linus Allmark, two games, a 1.01 goals against average and a 9.58 save percentage. You think that man's on a mission to prove that last season wasn't a fluke? I think so. So I'm feeling pretty good about the Bruins. Um, But the Sharks are abysmal. (laughs) And it's what Sin was prepared for. We've talked about it. That idea of like, okay, we're going to be bad. Let's see the young guys put up points and we lose games four to three. It didn't happen last night. And like you kind of no, mentioned, actually, the reverse is fucking happening. We for once kind of have good goaltending. Early on, Mc, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood has been phenomenal. You, I know people are gonna look. Oh, you gave up six goals to Carolina. Like, mm, you you needed to see him through the first entire part of that game. You needed to see him versus Colorado. The saves that he was forced to make in both of those games, we have mm. not gotten in at least. I mean. And at least Playoff since the, the 2016 run. Yeah, we haven't seen that since that. And so the, uh, the Sharks offense is abysmal right now. And the goaltending is, is was somehow keeping them in games. It's complete reverse of last season. And <laughs> you kind of wanted, you know, you wanted you wanted that to happen again. I know you got rid of Carlson and stuff, but you wanted the young guns to be able to score. And then fuck it. Who cares about goaltending? But. I don't know. We'll see if Blackwood, especially he, he's been the main one, if he can keep that up. Um, but dude, they've got to figure out a way to generate more offense. Big, it's because it's brutal right now, man. It is so brutal. Yeah. They sent out six forwards for the extra attacker. They're like, all right, all our good forwards go. We'll put Mike Hoffman on the point who can't 
No, I'm, I'm <laughs> fuck it. We it was it's literally so... a fuck it we ballin moment. Like it's a fuck it. Draft to glory team. <laughs> <sighs> I will say this in regards to Mackenzie Blackwood. Forward. That lends credence to what you were saying. Um, through two appearances, he has a 336 goals against average, but his save percentage is a 926. <laughs> like, that just sums up, like, he is under siege, but doing everything he can to hold on. Oh, oh my God. You don't see that. Like, I was I actually thought it was going to be lower because the Carolina game, but that's amazing. Mm. Holy yeah. shit, 926 with a 336 experience mm-hmm. Sharks hockey. Their next oh. five games, by the way, they play Nashville on Saturday, then the Panthers, the Lightning, Oof. the Hurricanes, <laughs> and Capitals. Hey, All Capitals on the road. A chance. <laughs> Could be rough scenes uh, for the Sharks moving forward. Um, I'm I'm all for it, dude. Give me an, like an 0 and 10 start. Just bury us. Get get as many losses before Couture comes back. Macklin Celebrini is going to look pretty good in teal. Yeah, he was he was a junior shark, man. Last season we had Bedard watch Macklin Celebrini four points in two games so far this season at Boston University as a 17 year old. Uh, uh, suck weenie for Celebrini, baby. I don't know if I can have that episode as the episode title, but I'll try. <laughs> I'll try. Shall we get to our second viewer question? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is oh, this is great. We're we're using viewer questions to talk about our actual talking points in hockey. It truly yeah. is a, a fraudcast now. There you go. Oh yeah. Um from our friend Bouncy McBoink Boink. Which is a better place to spend eternity? An apple orchard or a pumpkin patch? Both are eternal fall festivals with Halloween, kids, corn mazes, bouncy houses, etc. Also worth noting that all fall-related food is there, with the caveat of you need to earn your living in candy corn in order to eat said fall food. Your strategy what? is up to you, but you must be some sort of entertainment for the non-eternal guests. Jesus, I have to be around kids that whole time? Fuck that. Send me to purgatory. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> Not only that, it's super amped up kids. And I got to work? Fuck that. Jesus, dude. <laughs> like, at first, I'm like, okay, th- this question just kept going. What is the better place to spend an eternity, an apple orchard or a pumpkin patch? At that point, you're just saying, hey, what smells better and what has better vibes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you got to go with the orchard. I don't know. Right? I'd like a pumpkin patch. My my I'd my like one of my patch. one of my friends growing up, his family owned a pumpkin patch. We used to hang out there, dude. You'd like it had so much cool shit. Like you'd hike all around it. You'd freaking play airsoft out there. It was it was such a cool. Yeah, that's that was awesome. honestly one of my favorite places to like hang out with him. I'm not saying a pumpkin patch isn't cool, but one an apple orchard, you just get a shitload of apples, and two. You get you get cover from the elements somewhat. What are you gonna hide under a pumpkin when it snows? I don't think no, so. They, yeah, I don't know. The the pumpkin patch I'm remembering had like a train tunnel in there and shit because they had a little, <laughs> they got all those things for kids. You know, they got like the train going around. Yeah, yeah. There's, you know what? There's yeah. gonna be shelter. There's buildings like that. You know, because most places here pumpkin patches they also double as Christmas tree farms. 
during that season, too. So the rest of this question, though, you need to earn your living in order to eat said fall food. He said in candy corn or some weird shit, though. What the fuck did candy corn come from? Earn your living in candy. What the fuck does that even mean? (laughs) I don't know. I'm trying to I'm paid in candy corn. Is this like getting paid in trident layers? Like, what the fuck is going on? I don't don't get it. Stripe gum. Do I get to pay for stuff in candy corn? I I would be down for candy corn currency. I would be down. I mean, hell, I'm I'm probably one of the few who... I'm okay. I'm, I was gonna say I'm probably one of the few who legitimately enjoys candy corn. I, I think it's too. a it's very delicious. tasty treat. It's delicious. It is amazing. It is I feel like, weird. and I feel like the people who don't like candy corn eat peeps. You disgusting fucks. <laughs> I hate peeps, dude. I don't oh. care. It's canon now. You don't like candy corn. You eat peeps. You <laughs> <laughs> can't wreck on peeps into my fucking digestion. I'm not. What I'm, the fuck? I'm, it's it's canon now. <laughs> <sighs> Bouncy, thanks for the effort. From RG <laughs> Dust, <laughs> what's your? You didn't quite reach the lengths that uh, that Scroopy did in terms of response time. From RG Dust, what's your favorite thing to collect that's not hockey jerseys? I feel like this bugs. is targeted at me, but it's a general. I don't even did you just like say to collect pogs. I said bugs. I'm a bug catcher. <laughs> you said pogs. I'm like okay. <laughs> no, Welcome back to no. 1996. Um. <laughs> it's gonna say mental illnesses. Um, <laughs> I got a few of those, my friend. Um, I don't know. I I like I like hockey. I like hockey, so I like hockey gear. Um, How about we rephrase this question to be like, what do you like collecting besides the one thing you like collecting? Because I don't collect hockey jerseys. Yeah, me neither. Or this or is, is he just? Question. Yeah, yeah. This is. A I mean, it's, it's question, a generalized question. Out, so fuck you. I, I would say, like, in general, just what is your favorite thing to collect? Is oh, how okay, I'll rephrase cool. the question. That's easy for me, then. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Warhammer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have literal thousands of dollars worth of Warhammer armies, a lot of which I assembled and painted. Some I've inherited fully painted. And one army I commissioned to be professionally painted. Nice. And uh, I'm up to, I have one of my buddies' armies here too. So in my house, let's see how many Greenskins, Empire, Dwarfs, Chaos, Dark Elves, Vampire Counts. And I almost, almost, honestly feel like I'm leaving one out, but I don't know if I am. You're leaving yeah. out your address and uh, what time you're not yeah. home? <laughs> yeah, I got six fantasy armies here. I have, yeah, and I also have some of other stuff scattered like. I have some lizard men about. Yeah, I just I, there's so much here. I'm so proud of it too, and you can't fucking tell me otherwise. I think it's the coolest thing on the planet, and I love sharing my nerdiness with people. I I love how excited you get when you get to talk about <laughs> Warhammer or Skyrim or whatever else. It's. <sighs> It, it is it is fun to watch someone just be like, I love this nerd shit, and you can't tell me otherwise. Yeah. So, um, for me, I mean, obviously the question was kind of phrased towards me in regards to, hey, no hockey jerseys, which, shit, that is pr- probably my favorite thing to collect. I mean, I've gone the sports card route a decent amount, but it's never been anything too crazy. Um, it's weird, because I feel like I have... 
like outside of the hockey jerseys, like, okay, you know, I have a sports card collection, but it's not the craziest thing in the world. I have a video game collection, but it's not the craziest thing in the world. I don't feel like I, in terms of the collecting realm, I don't really go, you know, diving in with both feet. It's like, okay, I don't need to, I don't need to, <laughs> because I am that type of person where if I'm playing an RPG, I don't need to spec into one thing specifically. I like to be well-rounded and balanced. So I got right. a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. So that's kind of where I'm at at this stage. I don't really have like the one. Yeah, big don't ever collection. play Oblivion. You would hate it. <laughs> Probably, yeah. You kind of yeah. have to spec and you have to, the way the game's set up, you have to specifically level. Um, level yourself like so your major skills you actually can't you don't you don't want to choose things that you're going to use regularly because you want to get the maximum amount of attribute points it's 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 bizarre anyway skyrim was much better leveling in that but i love i still love doing oblivion just for the the min maxing yeah anyway sorry there's always there's always one thing i wanted to collect and it was controllers like especially in the new age of gaming and everything like when they started making when like xbox launched their design lab and they had like all bunch of controllers you can design and then when companies started really investing into like designing different type of controllers on their like specialty controllers um i was always like oh those are pretty neat and then i always see like a bunch of influencers on like instagram or whatever getting sent like boxes from like companies and everything with like designer controllers like in the sense of, oh, we had a, like that one time the NHL had a release and they gave like Pavel Barber like an NHL stick where it had like the Xbox controllers on the stick itself as for like a display. And then they gave him like a like another controller. And like I I was watching on Instagram like how many how many times people get controllers. And it's fucking insane. Cause I know one person who she gets like a bunch of stuff from Microsoft and everything, like almost every other month, you know, because she's an influencer and all that. And like the amount of controllers she has, it, it's she's got like at least sixty. It, it is ridiculous. Like she does not have to worry about like your sticks on your controllers wearing out ever. Like it's it's I'm jealous of that fact. And I would love to like just have a collection of random controllers so that way if I have to throw it when I keep throwing initial, I can pick the, the ugliest one of the set of the good ones that I have just to chug across the room. From Hawks, a.k.a. a name he's very proud of on Discord right now. Kenny Omega 3 Fatty Acids. <laughs> huh? So bad. It's an Omega 3 joke. Oh, okay. In the, <clears throat> if you were to pick one thing to take from college athletics and place into professional sports, what would it be? I had a good two crowd? The crowd environment? The crowd would be a good one. Holy yeah. fuck. I don't know what it is. With with NCAA, CIS, whatever environments. CSI. It, CSI, whatever. CIS is how it is in um in Canada for sports or whatever, for some fucking reason. Uh U Sports formerly, I guess. Oh, U Sports is what it's called now, but it used to be CIS. Just continue your point, we know. Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> fuck. The crowds are fucking loud, dude. They get mm-hmm. fucking into it and up and like energetic and then you go to a hockey game and everyone's fucking quiet everyone's everyone's real fucking quiet like i want i want shit like how it is overseas because it's a very similar environment not the same but like the entire time during a hockey game overseas like you've you've been to one of those games 
and know. it's it's a fucking riot, dude. How expensive like, was that, by the way? I think. Uh... Oh, what to go huh? to a game? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't that, that bad. Was exactly. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what the price was. Um, I I could actually probably I can't imagine it was any more than fifty bucks. And sports here. <sighs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, that was, okay. so, uh, that was for so two fun. tickets, right? Fifty bucks. Um, it was something like that. Hey, let me, um, let me. Do, I can literally go back um, because. <laughs> so, fun fact: um, make sure that you uh, that you have your girlfriend pay for the tickets because otherwise, you get to try to navigate Finnish Ticketmaster, uh, which was a pain in the ass given that I didn't have a uh, a Finnish address, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so that Ooh. was the kind of one downside. Is um, out to Kenu from Sports Gamer, who made sure I could get tickets because otherwise I would have been fucked. Um, but yeah, I went to um, as people in America would know them, uh, HIFK, which as I learned is uh, EFCO. Yes, um, I have okay. Uh, I sent him 71 euro, 71 for euro? My, for both mine and my fiance's tickets, 71 euro, so approximately 75 American bucks. That he, is not two bad. tickets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's really you guys good. Say, yeah, and it, it was great. You know, I talked about that atmosphere at that game where I got to go, um, and it's worth noting too. It's funny because this conversation kind of lends into two of our talking points today, and I'll mention this game again later in the podcast. Um, but the atmosphere there was great, and they were playing really bad team, um, but. I, I kind of just talked about the atmosphere in general. It was it wasn't like the craziest example of like when you think of like, oh, yeah, how crazy Europeans can get at events. Um, but it was really cool. It was a lot more lively, a lot more active. Um, you know, I talked about how like there was the kind of like the ultras section and in one of the corners and on the power play. They're fucking making noise and clapping for the whole two goddamn minutes. It was just a really cool Thing to experience and yes and you, you definitely need to get to a, a yeah. game while you're over there it's really really fun it was a shame you couldn't make it the last time <laughs> um yeah no i i had a blast at that game and i'm in complete agreement um the atmosphere is probably the biggest thing you could transfer over um for me i was gonna direct it to hockey people will get big mad at this base guards I don't care if it's the cage. I don't care if it's the fucking fishbowl or the half thing. Whatever the hell. Get hockey players to protect their fucking faces. Because it is a miracle at this stage that somebody hasn't lost a fucking eye in the NHL. And there have been plenty of close calls. Players aren't going to protect themselves. You got to protect them from themselves. So do it. Thank you. I will say this last night at my beer league game. Um, it was the third game that I played and dude was swinging the stick at the puck, missed the puck completely hit buddy right in the mouth. Like no, no chicklets coming out, but just completely bloody, completely bloody. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you're wearing a visor in beer league. You're, you're risking yourself. I'll wear a fishbowl because I'm a fucking idiot. Uh, I'll wear your fishbowl or no, like a cage. Wear a fishbowl because you're smart. Mm-hmm. No, I rather I would rather wear a cage. But when I was looking to get my helmet with a cage, they didn't have cage that would fit my fucking head because it's fucking huge, and because of my hair and everything, it wouldn't fit my helmet properly. So 
You got a fishbowl on there instead. I, I kind of like it, but at the same time, um, I haven't got a solution that will keep it from not fogging up, which is annoying as hell. Um, but yeah. Less annoying than only having use of one of your eyes as opposed to two, though. Yeah. No? Yeah. Sin, if you didn't have an answer for this, I do have a, a segue to a different topic that we were going to discuss that could be used in regards to atmosphere. Yeah, I would just say, like, yeah, the atmosphere, but honestly, that that could be solved by letting normal people purchase games. Yeah. And that lends us to this conversation that's going around the league, and that is, um, in general, attendance issues uh, for a lot of teams so far this season. Um you have, I believe it's 10 teams or so that have been at 100% capacity at the beginning of the season. Um, with some teams uh, being down there at this stage. Um, you know, last night on the, t- the Twitter side of things, I kind of joked around with the Buffalo Sabres, who I was watching their game against Calgary, and that place was not full. And. You know, I like joking around with the Sabres as I have in the past on the show because you would see fans where if that was in Arizona when the Coyotes were in Glendale, oh my God, move them. But mm-hmm. when it was Buffalo, oh, they're sending a message. Well, and now the goalposts. <laughs> I was going to say, now the goalposts are changing where it's like, okay, well, Buffalo, you have a good team. Oh, well, we're still not going to go uh, because we haven't made the playoffs yet. No disrespect, Grizz, but that was kind of the argument you gave me on Twitter last night. Um, the thing is, there are legitimate reasons as to why some of these teams are having difficulty putting people into the building. Um, and it's not just the Buffalo Sabres. The Washington Capitals, uh, so far this season, are at 94.7%. Uh, percent. They sold out their season opener but their home sellout streak of 588 consecutive games has come to an end. The Winnipeg Jets are a big part of this conversation. Uh, Their capacity so far this year is 80.3%, which is only ahead of Buffalo, who on our sheet I marked down at 83. That has been updated. Their capacity on the season is now listed at 78.1%, the lowest in the league. Um, With the Jets, in regards to their issues, it's a lot of ownership trying to dick around the fan base and trying to squeeze every penny out of them. And that's where it gets into the conversation of, hey, here are the legitimate issues surrounding attendance. And it's not always down to fan apathy or a poor on-ice product with the team. Um, Times are fucking tough for a lot of people. Um, it is decently expensive to get into the building in the first place. Um, for as much as I mentioned, hey, I got two tickets to a Liga game in February. For about the same price, you could have gotten in one person uh, to the Sabres game uh, last night. Um, it is decently expensive to get into the building. And then you factor in skyrocketing parking prices, drink and food, if it's just one person, it's going to be expensive enough, let alone if it's two, uh, let mm-hmm. alone if it's a, a family thing and you want to bring the kid or kids. Um, it's it's a bit of a problem right now that you have half the league, more than half the league, 
um, at less than that target capacity of, hey, selling out the building every night. Um, and again, the, the problems go beyond the hockey side of things. But in terms of what these teams can do, what the NHL can do, I have no choice but to equate it to the wrestling side of things, um, which Sin won't obviously know as much about, which is cool. But in general, obviously, for North America, there are two major promotions. There's the WWE, the King, Cream of the Crop, the Macho Man, whatever the hell, um, who are doing very, very well from a business perspective. And then there's AEW, who are also doing very, very well from a business perspective. But they right now are in the habit of booking arenas that are seven, eight, nine thousand seats, if not a little bit more, and they're putting three, four, five thousand in the building. And it becomes a perception issue. It would be much better for a team like the Buffalo Sabres to lower your prices, make up the money on concessions if you want, but you look like shit when you have a promising team. You are hyping up this team of Darlene, Tage Thompson, Owen Power, this new era. We're going to be great. And so far this season, your capacity percentage is at 78.1%. It is horrible from a perception standpoint. Lower your fucking prices. Get people in the door. Provide that atmosphere, as we talked about. Make this place look like, oh my god, I am missing out by not going to Sabres games. Holy shit, and they're affordable? Let's fucking go. Yep. As opposed to, again, you watch a game when the Sabres are at home. And you're seeing a lot of empty blue seats. And mm -hmm. it is tough to ignore royal blue empty seats. They yep. stand out very, very well on camera. Um, it's the same thing for the Winnipeg Jets and their ownership trying to dick around the fan base and raising prices. It's the same thing for the San Jose Sharks, who have the third worst capacity right now and are still trying to charge decent, you know, decently high prices. Yeah, I just looked up the prices for the, their next home game against Pittsburgh. Um, the cheapest ticket that you could get is $76. That's in like the highest, which is honestly lower than I expected it to be. Mm. <laughs> that is lower than then. I expected <clears throat> it to be. But still, you have a, such a shit team. Your arena's empty. It's the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. you're, in, you're in the middle of downtown. Parking's atrociously expensive, honestly. So if I remember correctly, prices may have gotten up, gotten up since now. It's at least $20 to park anywhere near the arena in San Jose, at least. Right. Um, so let's say 76 plus 20 gas. You, you Barely anyone comes from San Jose. Let's say you're going to drive at least, you know, 30 miles. That's probably, I guess in today's day, that's only maybe another gallon. But, but right now that's $6 in California. So a gallon of gas, $6.00. Um, if you want to eat there, <laughs> mm -hmm. beer is at least $15. If I remember correctly, this these are from the last times I went there. Um, a fucking round table, personal pizza is 20 plus dollars. It, mm -hmm. Like it's, it's one of those things. And you're in the Bay area where rent prices meant for a studio fucking apartment in San Jose is at least two grand studio. Mm -hmm. And the fact the is, they are competing with every other form of entertainment in that area. Warriors are good. And right, Niners and are right good. right now, if you 
are the Sharks. <clears throat> it is a tremendous time to lower prices, get fans in the building, and then once you're good again, raise those prices a bit because you might have hooked some people. Seems kind of simple to me. Or keep them low and keep the good favor of your fucking team and enjoy the fact that you're selling out the building every night. Yeah. But again, it's all about squeezing every person for every penny they're worth if you can get them in the door. Um, you know, from the wrestling perspective, to bring that up again, um, I've been to, a to every AEW show that they've run in Massachusetts. Um, and they've run three different buildings in the state. Um, they have run one show in Worcester, home of the uh, ECHL's Worcester Railers. Shocks. The Worcester Shocks. I wish the Shocks were still there. Um, they have run multiple events at Boston University's arena. And then their last show in June, they ran at TD Garden. Worcester had put as the middle ground in terms of pricing. The college arena, though, was awesome. Bitch to get in and out of. But again, it's on a college campus. So you go in, the tickets aren't that badly priced. The concessions aren't that badly priced. And then, hey, what do you know? I end up going. TD Garden, going up to the concession stands there, it's like, oh, my God. Okay. You know, well, we made a mistake not getting to town sooner and finding somewhere else to eat because holy shit. Um, you know, take out a small fucking loan just to get six chicken fingers for fuck's sake. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, like, always, I'm looking yeah. at I'm looking at attendances. Like I said, um, there are two teams that haven't played a home game yet: Chicago and Arizona. But Buffalo, Winnipeg, San Jose, the bottom three. Then the New York Islanders, who have a decent team. That again has to come down to price gouging your fans. The oh, New yeah. Jersey Devils are still in the bottom five right now, despite how good they're looking. Oh my god, really? And it's that combat. Yeah, they're at 88.4%. And it's one of those things where it's like, as much as I want to joke around with like, ah, support your team, you do know that there are real issues there as mm -hmm. to like, man, how badly are Devils fans getting raked over the coals to support their team if the Devils, Jack Hughes and company, are playing in front of the fifth worst home attendance right now in the league. I mean, again, teams above them, Calgary, kind of understand. But then it's Ottawa, Anaheim, Columbus, Philadelphia, Edmonton. Edmonton is towards the bottom half of this list. And I don't that put it past Daryl Cates to try and fucking pinch every penny out of his fan base. So it's a tough scene right now you know it goes beyond the financial issues of hockey it's in general financial issues oh, yeah. that oh, yeah. are affecting there, people there's a massive um, massive separation um between honestly the owners probably don't think they're doing anything fucking wrong because they're so detached from reality and the fact that like i'm doing fine you know i'm doing fine everyone else work harder like that's that's just a mentality right now in north america in particular and people on the bottom yeah. are struggling, and some of those people on the bottom are unwilling or unable to realize why that they're struggling and will like to turn on people in the same situation and blame them because probably they're projecting and, and blaming themselves and, and feeling bad about some of the choices they've made. But, hey, if you you know stop doing that shit, you can actually realize who the real enemy of your happiness is and who's trying to make you work until you die. Viva la revolution. 
Yeah. Oh, hey, man. I have this really cool graph that shows the uh, the wealth inequality in America versus France right before they brought out the guillotines. Mm. <laughs> just, I'm like, <laughs> it's like the same. I'm like, oh, I, lo- I love a graph that's sent, that's uh, that's hinting at something. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it's, it's honestly one of the funniest like graph comparisons you'll see. Can I say From one AJ. thing real quick about the about the arena stuff? So I went again. I will continue the praise going to minor hockey games or minor pro hockey games like the AHL, the ECHL. When I was at the Marley's game, there was a QR code on the fucking Jumbotron that said, hey, scan here to get 50% off all tickets for the rest of the month. Click here, get tickets, whatever. So I'm going back on Sunday, sitting at like the fucking glass seats for like half price. And they're already pretty cheap to get tickets there. It's like 60 bucks for glass seats at a Marley's game per person. That's 120. I'm paying 60 bucks. I'm paying the equivalency for one seat to go sit at the glass. Like, if, if you can, do what you can. Like, you know. From AJ, pick one team in each category. The first, a good team now that will suck by the end of the decade. Mm. So right now, obviously, it's tough to say. We'll go off of last year's standings. I would, I would say that'd be at better. At the end of the decade, so twenty thirty, essentially yes. twenty twenty nine. Jesus. I so if we look at the... about that, that means I'm going to be forty. Let's <laughs> can we not? We'd be looking at the Bruins, the Hurricanes, um, Devils, Leafs, Golden Knights, Oilers, Avs, Dallas were the top eight last season there are other teams you could throw into the mix a team that'll suck by the end of the decade golden knights it's unavoidable for them i think it might be soon well i don't know you know i i think i think golden knights are one of them bruins for sure they they're they don't have a prospect system their time's coming yeah yeah Yeah, like (laughs) by the end but here's the thing suck by the end of the decade the bruins might they might depends that's the thing though McAvoy Lindholm like they're gonna keep them afloat but yeah so I think I think the Bruins are gonna try to keep that window open for as long as possible there's gonna be some bubble years in there but like before they finally throw in the towels yeah I will say the Bruins Carolina probably I don't see it with the Leafs are tricky though I don't I don't think the Leafs will be bad by that point I think I think their window is gonna be open for quite a long time Fucking hope so. I mean, Matthews is only 26. 25? Yes. 20 so seven years, he'll still be in his prime. 26. Yeah, he'll still be in his prime seven years from now. Mm. I don't see it happening to the Leafs. Carolina, maybe. Boston, probably. Vegas, probably. Yeah. It's tough because you want to look at the teams where it's like, okay, how many of their assets, futures, have they exhausted to continue to be competitive? Yeah. Um, and Vegas obviously, has they, none. <laughs> Vegas gave up most of it. Let's be honest. Um, Vegas has given up anything that hasn't been, you know, <laughs> in their in their NHL lineup. <laughs> uh, and looking at their their team right now, because I am. I'm obviously intrigued. And in terms of top prospects, um, 
Yeah, that doesn't really exist. No. At the moment. Um, I'm shocked someone like Brendan Brisson, who was a first-round pick in 2020, hasn't been traded yet. Give him time. That might be this season. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it's already running thin, but they won a cup, so it's worth it. Um, I feel like, again, the odds are against most of the teams that are good. Because that's just how it works. Like, if you go back, let's see, one, two, three, four, we'll go back five years. Um, five years ago, the team at the top of the NHL, the Nashville Predators, won the President's Trophy. They're a middling team at the moment. They're not quite brutal. The Winnipeg Jets, they're a middling team. The Tampa Bay Lightning, they're in a weird spot right now. The Bruins... Still, we're still there five years later. The Golden Knights were still there five years later. The Capitals, they're not in that conversation anymore for top eight in the league. Um, the Maple Leafs were still there, but they were on the come up at that point. And then Minnesota, playoff team, but nothing too crazy. You look at five years before that and just how different things were in 2013. So we're talking 10 years ago. Chicago. Granted, this was the lockout shortened season, but still. Chicago finished first. Pittsburgh, who missed the playoffs last year. The Anaheim Ducks. Mm -hmm. The Montreal Canadiens. The Boston Bruins. <laughs> Their time's coming. The fact that the Bruins are the constant yeah. on this list for the last 10 years, they did miss the playoffs a couple years after this. But still, their fucking time's coming. Uh, the Blues. Obviously, up and down over the last 10 years. The Kings, and then in 2013, the Canucks <laughs> finished eighth. Um, it goes in cycles. That's just the way it works. A lot of the teams you look at at the top of the league right now will not be at the top of the league in seven years. That's just how it goes. Yeah. Um, and we can talk about uh, parity as well when we talk about the draft here in a little bit because that is coming. But the second part of AJ's question, what's a bad team now that will be a cup contender by the end of the decade? Mm. And as we talked about with how things go in cycles, um, you're going to be looking at, and let's talk about the bad teams from this past season. The Anaheim Chicago. Ducks. Yeah, Chicago definitely in that conversation. Obviously, you end up with Connor Bedard. The Ducks have a pretty good prospect pool. The Blue Jackets, the Sharks, the Habs, the Coyotes, the Flyers uh, finished 26th to 32nd last season. I think you could consider them bad teams. They were all under 80 points. Flyers have a decent chance if they play their cards right. They're in that yeah. weird spot right now where they shouldn't be abysmal, but it's like, okay, are we going to stick with this guy? Are we going to stick with Carter Hart? So on and so forth. The Coyotes have a chance to be a contender. Um, their prospect pool already looks really fucking good, yep. especially with Logan Cooley in the mix. And the Coyotes have, uh, oh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven picks in the first three rounds this year. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven picks in the first three rounds of next year's draft and six picks in the first three rounds of the 2026 draft. They have every chance to be incredibly competitive 
Whether or not they're still in Arizona in seven years, who's to say? Um, Montreal, San Jose, every single one of these teams has prospects. Columbus was only that bad primarily because of injuries. Um, Just like the teams at the top of the list have a chance to fall, the teams at the bottom of the list, you would expect to kind of rise back up uh, by the end of the decade. And it's funny because I'll go back like I did for those at the top. Five years ago, the team at the bottom of the league, Buffalo, look at where they are now. Ottawa, look at where they are. Arizona and Montreal, okay, you're still kind of there. Uh, and Detroit was the last team in the bottom five. Then we go back 10 years ago, that lockout shortened season. Who was at the bottom of the league? The Florida Panthers, who just made a cup final. Who was second last? The Colorado Avalanche, who won a Stanley Cup two years ago. Who was third from the bottom? The Tampa Bay Lightning. Rounding out the bottom five, Nashville and Carolina. The odds are in your favor to flip your fortunes around as opposed to just perennially staying at the bottom. And the reason for that, a good part of the reason for that, is the NHL draft. And gentlemen... There was quite the conversation about the draft on Twitter over the last couple of days. And I know Endo's been waiting for this one. Oh, my fucking God. So hold on. Let me set the stage and then I'll let you go. Yeah. So the word had come out about the NHL. Quote, the NHL has officially notified teams that it would like to hear their opinions on decentralization of the draft, i.e. having clubs stay at home while prospects attend in an NFL slash NBA style. So you lose the idea of all the teams at the tables. It's just fans. This guy's drafted. Here's the commissioner to hand you your Columbus Blue Jackets hat. Um, If there is a desire for change, which would most likely be um, 2025, that we would see it with an outside chance for the upcoming year's draft. From there, the conversation took a bit of a turn because for me, this first part, I don't really care. The teams at the table, it takes 16 years to get all 16 people they send up to the stage. You got to shake everyone's hand, get the jersey. I don't mind the straightforward approach of here comes freaking Connor Bedard walking from the back. Here's his jersey. Okay, let's tell you about Connor Bedard. Moving on. Um, But the conversation then changed. And I want to preface this by saying um, I I don't think Rachel Dory is a bad person. No, she's not. Great, think, great reporter. I don't, I don't think Rachel Dory is a dumb person. I think she's actually incredibly smart. But this was either a titanically bad, ta- uh, titanically bad take or it was bait. Here's what she said. Alternatively, abolish the draft. <laughs> Good start. Let kids decide where they want to play within cap constraints. Teams can only offer ELCs. That would uh, that would entirely eliminate tanking and force teams to offer players opportunity and make their clubs attractive destinations. It will not eliminate tanking. It will make it perpetual for some teams. It'd be a bidding market. Yeah. ELCs, so like signing bonuses and all that stuff. Like she followed this up uh, when she was getting responses of, "I think this is terrible." Okay, well, it works in Europe. No, it doesn't. More importantly, what? 
Sorry, what do you sorry. Mean it works continue. in Europe. Jesus Christ. Okay, continue, continue, continue. It's fine. Thanks. For More importantly, me. I don't like that 18 year olds or really anyone are told who their employer is and where they will need to live slash play. Players should get to choose earlier. Uh, so lower the UFA age, UFA age to 24 years old. Now, this is an Ian Kennedy level take. I'm sorry. Remember God. what I mentioned earlier about that game that I went to in Finland? It was Helsinki's primary club at this point, because Jokrit is in the third fucking tier. Uh, EFCO taking on Vossen, a.k.a. Vossen Sport. Now, Sin and I have a good friend in Finland by the name of Krister, who was very plugged <laughs> in to the uh, eSports side of things, but is also a lifelong hockey fan. And, and a I very get to sit opinionated down. individual. Yes, he is, and I love him for it. Yeah, me too. I got to talk to him a lot um, about Liga, how things work, what opinions are over there. Finland, and excuse me if you can hear the cat hacking up a hairball in the background. Cannot. <laughs> he sounds like a fucking chainsaw when you're pulling. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, so in Liga, they have removed promotion and relegation. Because of that, you have certain teams that will just be like, well, we're fucked. That happened last season uh, with that game against Vossen, where just before I had gotten to see that game, they got rid of a bunch of their players because they're like, well, we can save money and we're just we're going to do that. And it's fine. And they were absolutely dreadful. They finished last in the league. Uh, or at least they did in 22-23. I think they finished uh, last. In, no, yeah. Yeah, they finished last in the league last season. Um, while not exactly the same, you would get a similar story playing out where teams... What, what are you going to do, essentially? A team like Florida, like Arizona... Essentially, it would bring you to the point, and I saw Pete Blackburn bring this up, Smaller market teams would get destroyed unless they have no tax income or income tax. Mm -hmm. um, and then the richer teams are just going to be able to offer these players all the money in the world. Yeah. We would be going back to the system where we had before the NHL draft existed, where a team like the Montreal Canadiens would be getting top pick of any prospect coming out of Quebec. That was a big part of what led to their dominance through the early stages of the NHL is they got to go, oh, top Quebec prospect, yoink, you're ours because of course you're going to be ours. It would just bring you into this cycle of all the top teams getting all the top players. The cast offs would be going to these other teams who would rarely have a chance to get anybody else. It would take an exception like, well, does Austin Matthews want to play for his boyhood club, or does he want to go and take the big money first? As an 18-year-old kid, boy, I wonder where players are going to go. Probably mm -hmm. going to go for the money first. It would just create that cycle of these teams, the Vossens of the NHL, going, well, we exist. There's nothing we can do about the competition level. 
any good player we get, we'll send them away and we'll keep the cycle going for the most part of perpetually being bad, especially yeah. if the UFA age is 24 years old. We have even less contract control for these guys because now it's not 26. So the second they turn 24, they could say, well, hey, we suck because you can't get out from underneath this cycle. So I'm just going to go. This Should is one of the, the worst takes. This is one of the worst takes I've ever seen. I'm sorry. It yeah. really is. It's so it's, bad. It, it's it incredibly short-sighted. It, it and it's and it's completely misinformed. This doesn't work in Europe. No, it does not. Like it's, it's, it's for it's exactly insane. the reasons that you were talking about, Tugi. It's that the big cities, the big names get the players. And I mean, we have an example in baseball. Of this not working. Yeah. And they have a draft. They just don't have the goddamn like salary cap. Like it's a similar situation because. Yeah. People and people are just like. I'll just use the A's as an example. Now it is bad ownership compared with all these things. But they're like, all right, we're not going to spend this amount of money. So we have to sell all our prospects when when they're too good. Because we can't afford to keep them. It's similar in that. Like the teams who somehow are able to get those guys, they're not going to be, you know, they're going to go elsewhere or they just can't even get them outright. It'll just be this constant cycle, as you said, of not being able to keep around talent. Yep. So I was looking through the list here of some of the more recent champions um, in some of the bigger leagues in, in Europe. Um, I started off in the KHL. Recent champions. CSK Moscow. Their yep. 37th title, by the way. CSK Moscow. Avangard Omsk, who was their second title. CSK Moscow. CSK Moscow. Akbar's Kazan. SK St. Petersburg. Metallurg Magnitogorsk. CA CSK Moscow. Magnitogorsk. Uh, and then before they were known... Um, Actually, it was by a, a different name. Well, no, yeah, Dinamo Moscow, Dinamo Moscow. The point is, for the most part, you have the same teams dominating. And for the most part, it's CSK in Moscow. Uh, you you want to hear something? I can talk about this. I can get Polina to talk about this, too, because technically speaking, Polina did play in the Amur Habarovsk club. She played hockey over there. There was no women's team in, in Habarovsk, so... She played in the club with that team. When you play for a hockey club, especially in Europe and in Russia, if I'm if I am correct, you are there for the purpose of developing on the team and to develop up into it to play for your club on the na on the national league level. So when you're like eight to ten years old, you're getting scouted to play. They're developing you so that way you can develop into an all star player for that team. Now, obviously, there are some wrenches in the bucket Grooming. in terms of, you know, going hmm. from being drafted or going in the route of playing in the NHL and being drafted over there as well. But you're scouted at a very young age to develop for that club team and only that club team. Sure, you can get traded in your rights, move to here and there. Like, I've seen a whole bunch of stuff like that in minor hockey right now. So if you're talking about giving players the rights to play, you have to start younger than fucking 18. 
you have to start like 16 because I know situations where there are kids who are 13 and 14 years old who are playing on women's hockey teams who are being sit or being benched every single time and their team wouldn't relinquish the rights to that player to sign for a different team in minor hockey, not even in pro hockey. It's it's that constituent. Right, I'm gonna so I'm gonna get back onto one thing you mentioned is that they were yeah. being essentially trained from a very young age to play for a specific team. Yeah, <laughs> how is that like more control for the players? It's if not essentially taken from a young age and conditioned to play for this team or conditioned exactly. to be ready for this team. That's less. And, that's even less control for them. Yeah, and the thing about that too is. There is an actual there was something that was passed recently in law that we talked about in the podcast last year where in order to leave your club in Russia, you have to pay the expenses that you were getting for training to leave. You have to pay for all the training that you had at that club itself in order to get your rights relinquished to go to a different hockey club to go overseas. And here in Hockey Canada, you pay a fee every year that says like, hey, I can play. I can do this. I can do that. But imagine if you're like 14, 15, you're a very high skilled player, like top of the line for your age group. And you say, oh, I want to go play in the OHL. And your family doesn't have the money, the financial backing to buy out all of your previous training to play somewhere else. You're stuck there. Like, for instance, Polina was sent over to Canada when she was like 13 years old and she played over in B.C. If this rule was enacted then, she probably wouldn't go over there. I wouldn't be engaged to her at all, probably. I wouldn't even know the hell she fucking exists. Oh, why Because I'm a woman. So, yeah, and because you're a woman. Yeah. <laughs> I do okay, want to mention... Okay, come here, come here, come here. Nope, come, wait, come here. Podcast debut, Polina. Hello. Okay. Hi. She just Hi. woke up. Don't don't mind her. Hold I'm on. also sick. I apologize. I don't have necessarily camera ready. Okay, we'll censor this part. There we go. Hey, um, essentially, back home, I don't know if that rule still exists at this time, but when I was playing, there was a rule that girls were not allowed to play competitively with boys after the age of 12. So essentially, because I didn't have, <clears throat> there wasn't a women's hockey team in my home hometown at the time when I was turning 13, and I didn't want to just be practice goalie. I wanted to actually compete. I had to either go to Moscow, which is what my friend did, who was like, she was, I think she was five years older than me. Uh, when she got to that age, she essentially, her entire family moved to Moscow. Um, I think she actually played for the national team, but um, I don't know if she's still playing, to be honest. Um, but yeah, so it was either I go to Moscow or I go overseas and we made a decision to go abroad. So that's also the reason why. Fun uh, fact. Thank you. Give it up for podcast debut, Paulina, my lovely. <laughs> okay. Uh, sick fiance, you know. You're so go? on the You're topic of Europe in, in, in general, though. Right. Now, this isn't normal for them. Um, and I'm trying to get back to how this relates to the draft now. Um. <laughs> I'll give you a second to think about it, because I, I just finished up a little bit of research here. Cool. In regards to Europe and how competitive these leagues are, we talk about parity all the time, which is what the draft allows the league to have is parity, right? We were just talking about how in the NHL, it's, it's cyclical. You'll have teams at the top. Eventually, they'll be back down at the bottom. Um, 
in Germany, that doesn't really happen. There are 14 teams in the DEL. Here are their recent champions. Munich, Berlin, Berlin, Munich, Mannheim, Munich, 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 Mannheim. 14 teams in the league. Past decade, essentially, we've had two teams that aren't either Munich or Mannheim. Or yep. Munich or Berlin, excuse me. In Finland, 15 teams in Liga. Recent champions, Tapara, Tapara, Luko, HBK, Karpat, Tapara, Tapara, Karpat, Karpat. In Switzerland, you have 14 teams in the league. Recent champions, and again, pronunciations, apologies. Genevieve, Zug, Zug, Bern, ZSC, Bern, Bern. It's always the same kind of handful of teams minus a couple of exemptions. Even in fucking soccer, it's similar. The Premier League, outside of the random shock win of Leicester City seven, eight years ago now, it's 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 Liverpool, it's Manchester City. Like, it's, you know, every once in a while, you'll get a kind of surprise winner in these leagues. But for the most part, it's the big clubs. Some teams manage to break through. But then it leaves these other clubs in a situation where, hey, we're just kind of happy to survive. And of course, in Europe, the football side of things, there's promotion and relegation, meaning some teams just yo-yo between first tier and second tier. Yep. And obviously in the NHL, you wouldn't have promotion and relegation. So you just end up in a situation where these teams more than likely just end up as consistent bottom feeders because that's... That's how it works. It just is. Like, I'm looking through some of these more recent seasons, and I'd like to know from some Finns, when's the last time Voss and Sport were a competitive team in Liga? When's the last time Saipa, who finished last, last season, and brutally, by the way, uh, S-A-I-P-A. Oh, okay. Or Saipa. Um, when's the last time they were competitive? Because they were brutal last season like i'd love to know because i can't look it all up here in a moment's notice but for the most part again these teams stay down at the bottom rungs and it's the same teams the draft allows you to kind of have these moments it's the same thing in the nba i mean then again the nba have the luxury cap so you'll still pretty consistently see good teams be good i don't know if you see a milwaukee bucks team or the toronto raptors win a championship in the last five years if the NBA doesn't have a draft. Yeah. Right. It's just, it's crazy. Another thing, too, is with the soccer relation to it. Do you know how many, like, prospects are, how many, like, top players were at younger clubs? And, like, you don't really trade in soccer. It's very rare that you trade. It's usually you buy the rights out of a player and the club receives fucking money for that player. In that same instance. So you could have an instance as well where if they were to, oh, say, adapt this process over North America, you would just be spending. It would literally be even big, even bigger of a bidding war than it is just to have the rights for a player, not even to actually like pay him directly. I mean, I don't think that's what she was initially saying. I know. I know. All she said was 
Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I just don't want us to get caught in a slippery slope fallacy um, mm-hmm. because that's not what we're looking at quite yet. Like, it's just I think we just need to focus on p- p- teams being able to essentially hoard good talent, and which is the basis mm-hmm. for that, and not get too deep into all the other aspects that go into it. I agree. Um, like I said, I like the idea of players having that extra bit of freedom. Like, if you want to say the UFA age should be 24 instead of 26, I don't necessarily disagree. Yeah. Um, if you want to say that the maximum contract length should be five years instead of seven or eight, I don't necessarily disagree. Um, but I don't see how abolishing draft no. could result in anything other than at least a third of this league being absolutely boned barring crazy events such as castoffs, you know, castaways from other teams going to your team and kind of boosting you up that way, or you end up, you know, with a, a great local player like the Coyotes have to land Austin Matthews, and then maybe that attracts a few more people. But for the most part, what an advantage that would be for Again, at best, it's teams in no-income tax states that can throw more money at you. Or it's the Boston Bruins. It's the Detroit Red Wings, the Habs, the Leafs, the original six teams that are also going to have an incredible advantage. How the hell is a team like Winnipeg going to compete? How is a team like Columbus, Nashville, how are these teams going to compete necessarily? Um, I just don't see it. You know, uh, at least in the way that it was phrased previously, there is there a way that it could work? Maybe, but it's really tough to see. So, with that, a couple other things, really quickly. Um, you know, again, as I'm. <laughs> I just I can't help but read over the point. Let kids decide where they want to play within cap constraints and teams can only offer ELCs. Just what are the odds that it's like, all right. Again, like the idea that like Austin Matthews is automatically going to go to Arizona. Like, what does he go to Arizona to prove that he's good? And he gets then to goes go home. to a bigger team. He gets to he gets to live at his parents place and go home. Like yeah, he doesn't want to do that. At 18. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, no, cool. I want to go to New York City. I want to go to Los Angeles. You know? Wow. This is a big city. <laughs> <laughs> Two other things to go through here really quickly. Um, wow. I love New York. <laughs> wow. Still amazing. Um, there was a graphic that was put up in regards to uh, point paces and just paces in general. Endo mentioned earlier Arbor Jackeye, who was on pace for 574 penalty minutes this season. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> I love it. And it's that idea of it was it was framed this way on Reddit as to uh, which of these completely realistic and attainable paces will actually be the closest to happening. So right now, Leon Dreisidel is on pace for 191 points. <laughs> With the Oilers having one win in four games, by the way. My God. How close does Dry actually get 
to that point total because he's not going to hit 191. No, he's not going to get that close. 140? 120? 125. I'm going to go 140. I'm fucking built different. I mean, here's the thing: if 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 the Oilers continue to play McDavid and Drysaddle together, who the fuck knows? Like, and mm. beyond just the power play, too. Which, by the way, I'm pretty sure I saw the record that Leon Drysaddle has the most power play goals in Oilers history. Yes, <laughs> the dude yep. is what 27 or 28. That's nuts. <laughs> he is 27. He'll turn 28 in a week. That's so stupid. Yeah. There, like, 128 points last season. Mc- Oh, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I Honestly, I, I would love to see them play McDavid Drysaddle together in the season and then split them up in the playoffs. I know that's probably not what you want to do because if you're, you know, the the hardcore coaches of the leagues, you play the season to prepare for the playoffs. But I'm just like, fucking, I just want chaos. I'm like, lean into it, dude. Just play but just play McDavid and Drysaddle together all year. I want to see McDavid post 200. Austin Matthews is on pace for 164 goals. What a scrub. He is on pace for like 200-something before they <laughs> choked. Um, I mean, I could see Matthew uh, 50. Seems like, man, anything less than that, he'd be like, man, he kind of fell off. Yeah. Um, I Especially think two years is, in a row. Yeah, 60 is obtainable. Um, Honestly, I think 70 is obtainable for him. That's fair. He has to hit at least 50, though, or it's going to be viewed as a disappointment, especially oh, at yeah. the start of the season. Oh, yeah. Arbor Jack Eyes, 574 penalty minute pace. <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally. Just out of, goon, goon it up for the rest of the year, honestly, at this out, point. Out of all of these, he's probably the one with, who's most likely to reach something absurd like that. The record for Pims in a season, 1974-75 Broadway Bully Flyers. Dave the Hammer Schultz yeah. with 474 pims. Oh, yeah. What Does Arbor Jack Eye become just the fifth player in NHL history to reach 400 penalty minutes in a season? Probably not. Like, it's just, you know, like we said, he's he's such an effective defenseman that it would, it, it would he would get benched before he would get close to that. They'd be like, "Stop doing this." <laughs> Probably, yeah. Right? The league changed your, a bit. your spots. Like, yeah, yeah. It's just not happening. At the time this graphic was posted, Dmitry Orlov was on pace to be a negative one hundred and forty-four on the season. Um, I don't think that's gonna happen. No. <laughs> uh, I do need to look up worst plus minus in NHL single season history. Just look at any of our draft the glories. Jesus Christ. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Let's see. The worst plus minus was Bill Mickelson, who coincidentally in 1974-75 was a negative 82. That's not that's not bad. I mean that's pretty bad, but that's not bad. That's a minus one every game, like yeah. On average. That's being on the ice for a goal against every single game. And not that's, scoring one of your own, of course. That's, that's improbable. That's beer league, man. That's <laughs> Matt Zuccarello was on pace for 137 assists. <laughs> I don't see that happening, but I do no. like Matt Zuccarello still a lot. He is pretty unsung at this stage of his career. Um, I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, obviously, you're talking, God, someone breaking over 100 assists seems kind of crazy. 
Um, but he is currently playing on a line with Ryan Hartman and Kirill Kaprizov. Ooh. You never know. I mean, he had 45 assists last season. He's going to get around 50 to 60 this year, I would think. He should. Nathan McKinnon is on pace for 573 shots. <laughs> I know Colorado's depth is hurting a little bit. He's going to get over three, maybe closer to four. Probably not that. And Jacob Truba is on pace for 355. <laughs> on pace for 355 blocks. Jakey Pumba. Um, he, he might get that. Who knows? If he can stay off the ice for headshotting people, um, he might get there. That's the thing, man. He plays for, plays for a team that's, that's too cool to get punished. I mean, have you seen their blue uniforms? That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, America. A um, couple other things that could potentially be talking points here. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have become the first defending cup champions to start their title defense season at 5-0 and since Boo. the 1985-86 Oilers. They are mm. only the third defending champions to ever do so in NHL history, and they could set the record if they win on Saturday against Chicago. Oh no! Here's uh, here's what I'd like to say. You mentioned earlier to you that uh, Swaymark and <laughs> Swaymark. God <laughs> no, Swaymark. That's or or Ullman. No, it's got to be Swaymark. Swaymark, the duo Swaymark, um, could be taking on that William M. Jennings again. My money's all on Hill and Thompson for that. I was gonna bring that up now, but as I noticed that it was in there, um, they're both. In that system, pretty good. I don't know if they're both the best individual goalies, um, but playing with the Golden Knights, the way they've started their season, both of them have been very, very good in that in that sense. And honestly, I picked them up in fantasy for the wins, but they are putting up solid numbers too. So we'll we'll have to see how, how it how it ends. But they're they're my they're my duo. Um, they're my vote for the best duo in the NHL. And I'm sorry, but I don't I don't I just don't know if the Bruins can sustain what they did obviously last year, but they, I do think they have more talent in goal, but will they be the better duo is the question simply based on the team around them. Good question. Also wanted to mention this caps fans are trying to put out fires on the internet uh, because it's not the first time he started slow, but Alexander Ovechkin for the first time in his career went two straight games without a shot on goal. He has one assist in three games, and the Capitals at this stage through three games are averaging a goal per game with goals from Matthew Phillips, Connor McMichael, and John Carlson. Um, we talked about Ovi with, uh, <laughs> with one Nick Olchek. Uh, I hope we haven't jinxed him. <laughs> it's all I can say. It's like, oh, yeah, he's going to catch Wayne. Age 38, no goals in three games. Um, again, he's overcome late starts before. But knowing that that Capitals team is in a really weird spot of like, man, they're kind of staring down the barrel of a rebuild here. Mm -hmm. It's got to be a little bit concerning, though. Yeah. Um, for a team and that's trying to stay competitive. Concerning because we've always talked about not everyone has the gradual decline. Mm-hmm. And every time, and when he gets off to a slow start, and he's so close to that Gretzky record, then you're like, "Oh my God, does he just not have it anymore?" 
And that, that would be the most heartbreaking thing to see. So, and what was weird to me is that I watched a bit of it because uh, I had to just turn it on. I had to see Josh Norris's return. I'm very, very happy for that kid. Mm. Um, I was watching him on the power play and he was passing it. I was like, what is this? Why is Ovechkin <laughs> passing on the power play? Why is he not just blasting one tees? I was like, this is weird. That's not a good sign, is it? <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh-oh. They got, they got some things to figure out in Washington. Yeah. yeah. And the final thing to note, Kale McCarr just became the, the NHL 24 cover boy. Kale McCarr. Just became, we hadn't mentioned NHL 24 yet on the show, no. so I feel like we had to. Just became the fastest defenseman in NHL history to hit 250 points, doing so in 241 games. Uh, Bobby Orr did it in 247. Then you had Denny Potvan, Brian Leach, and Paul Coffey, all between 251 and 260. There was someone on Reddit, though, who put up a fair point as a, an Avalanche fan. Um... The fact that Kale McCarr didn't debut until age 21, whereas Bobby Orr joined the league at 18 years old. And comparing ages, age 21 to 24 for Kale McCarr, he scored 246 points. Bobby Orr, ages 21 to 24, oh scored God. 477. Jesus Christ. Um... At the same age of 25, Kale McCarr has a Calder, a Norris, and a Con Smythe to his name. Bobby Orr had a Calder, six Norrises, two Con Smythes, three Hearts, and an Art Ross trophy. Um, I don't think this person, again, as an Avs fan, was aiming to take away from what Kale McCarr accomplished. But I like this stat for the fact that it's kind of McDavid-esque, where we're like, holy shit, the, the Gretzky comparisons of, like, no one can touch him, but it's crazy how close he's gotten. I don't think anybody can touch Bobby Orr in terms of that production. Uh, but the fact that Kale, McClar, uh, Kale McCarr is close in context is still insane. Yeah. Um, the fact that Kale McCarr, it's like, it's funny that the conversation is as a completed product. We're talking about Kale McCarr, age 21 to 24. Are now up to 25 as like, ah, oh, he was more of a complete product than Bobby Orr was. <laughs> but still, at such a young age, for him to accomplish what he's had, what he has, to even be in that conversation where it's like, well, if you're going to compare him to Bobby Orr, you got to kind of make it fair to Bobby Orr. Just that sentence is kind of nuts. Um, and for Kale, you know, it's, it's promising that um, similar to Patrice Bergeron, once you grace the cover of a bad NHL game, um, you seem to have a good career. So, things <laughs> are looking up for Kale McCarr. It's stadium. been three weeks. William William Eklund for NHL 25. <laughs> Everyone should be begging for your best player to be on the cover of an yeah. NHL. It can only be a good thing. Um. That's why Austin Matthews was on the cover twice. I, for would, just as many I would like to just give a big, big shout out to Mike Greer and to Philip Zadina, who has by far looked like the best shark on the ice game in and game out. Um, I, I, there's not much positive to talk about, but holy crap, Zadina looks good and he looks hungry. And, uh, and he is under contract for one year. 
And then he's yeah. an RFA. Mm-hmm. I like that he's an RFA, though, too. Thankfully. Yeah. I was actually going to bring up Zadina earlier when we were talking about the show. Yeah, because I, but we, I just, I just spent all my time shitting on how bad they were. I'm like, you know what? I need to shout out Zadina because I was like, I, I was putting all in to like, okay, Bordelow's got to do good. Eklund's got to do good. You'd like to see Hoffman and Duclair get some points. Maybe they could flip them. And I was like, yeah, you wait and see on Zadina. But my God, he is actually looking like a sixth overall like selection. Again, if you had more people, I, I'm still waiting for them to put Eklund with him. Hey, Eklund passes. Zadina shoots. Should we play him together? No, spread out the talent. <laughs> Eklund, Bordelow, Zadina. I need to see it once. Gentlemen, do you have anything else to add here as we look to wind down the show? I think we... No. It was a good one. We got to bounce around for a lot of different yeah. conversations. Um, don't abolish the draft. Yes, yeah, <laughs> please. <laughs> stage um goodness yeah well hey if we got nothing left to add endurance m what do you have going on um i'm working on a video like i said at the beginning of the podcast um yeah it's going i haven't fully started because i've been busy with other stuff like hockey but yeah you'll be seeing hopefully sometime soon uh yeah, that's that's all I got. Also, it was really weird to see a video of mine that I worked on in another video. Like, I think Bardown put on the video talking about NHL 24 and then seeing a video from like a video that I worked on for another company on there was like, oh, shit, I actually I actually released a thing. That's actually pretty cool. But yeah, that was me. Anyways, yeah, that's all I got going on. Endurance M. Doing things. Making yeah. things. Yeah. Sin. You know the drill. What's going on? Kicking Bedard's ass in the Calder race, you know? Just normal <laughs> things. It's, it's yeah, insane. But you're, you're, tw- you're 23, though. Yeah. You know, you're, you're I, are 23 <laughs> I wasn't. Video. Somehow, t- yeah. I, I went into edit player because it reset all my visual stuff, and I saved it. And that's what makes you age five years and be a pro, kids. They're going to patch it, but they haven't yet told me if it's retroactive. So I might just be stuck. Um, but, yeah. Man, it's, it's, it's insane. I don't know. He's 88 overall now. I have no clue where Chicago's playing him. But again, the roster states get reset to peer, to pre-draft, so they didn't grab. It's bad how Be a Pro set up right now. I'll just say that. Um, and how it's programmed. Very bad. But yeah, I've got 82 points in 62 games played. Um, like nine points behind Kaprizov for the Art Ross. Fuck McDavid. It's all <laughs> it's all about complete off, apparently. Oh, it's I'm having a blast with Be a Pro. I really am. Like, despite the game being what it is, and despite sometimes getting frustrated, it's actually been really, really cool to be losing a lot and still being able to kick some ass and and not feeling like I have to win to make it entertaining. And by because because of that, I'm playing a lot on my own just to pass time. I feel right. like in the past I got into that thing of like you need to be on a good team to show the whole season, show the whole journey, and I'm just like, eh, fuck it. I'm just I'm just seeing what I can do to make be a pro entertaining and still doing the Boston Bruins franchise. Brady Kachuk, unrestricted free agent. He sounds like a Bruin. Do we get him? Find out on the latest episode. <laughs> Dragon, <laughs> Dragon Ball, Ball Z. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Anyway, yeah. I just, I just did an end, I just did an endo promo, so it must be. Yeah. Yeah. It's must time, be time to, to it. end it. It's been two hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you guys can find me on the YouTube and Twitch side of things, playing old EA NHLs. That trust me, we're not perfect, but 
they're better than what we have now, and at least the nostalgia carries us through, even if the sim speeds on NHL 13 make me want to jump off of a bridge. Um, but hey, we have fun. And then that means, of course, hey, as we're working our way through the old games, eventually this bad boy of Xbox One Edition NHL 15. God. That'll be, that'll be on the stream. Dude, you so. know how easy it is to what farm What are you going to stream on there, though? Franchise. That didn't have franchise, did it? It no, did no. have franchise. There's no, there's no draft. There's no draft, yeah. <laughs> no, they patched the they patched the draft in. They did, yeah. They had the patch. Yeah. But I don't know if I have the update. We'll see. Huh. <laughs> so, oh um wait, I think the, the the update for the game should be live, but you just can't like play online. So you should yeah. be fine. There's been a lot of talk about like, oh, NHL fifteen, what version? NHL sixteen or legacy, and it's like maybe both, maybe one or the other. I'm not sure. We'll figure wait, it I thought out. NHL fifteen was legacy. NHL no, 14 16. and 15 are different. Uh, they're different. 16 was legacy. I had a discussion yeah. and I fought Reaver about this because I was gonna punch him in his fucking yeah, whatever. Thank you listen to the podcast. Promo code two gmanscape.com. I know, right? My mind is blown too, son. Thank you guys for coming and watching and listening Coming. to the podcast. We will see you guys next week when we complain about the exact same things over and over again while we still wait for a patch to make this beautiful nhl 24 playable thank you guys for hanging out and we'll see you later yeah legacy edition is marked uh 2015 as a copyright which means that uh, it was for nhl 16 are you, you sure yes 100 yes. okay. sure yes i'm sure thousand percent then, sure. then why was mcdavid in the chl because ea fucking sucks we've been over this for the no, past no, no, no. month like <laughs> it's it's because it's it, it is it is literally nhl 15 like continued on like Minecraft yes. was. Yeah, so it's yes. not NHL 16. It is NHL 15. They didn't make... But it came out the same time Leg- as NHL 16. Yes. Sure, well, but it yes. is NHL, it's 15. NHL 15. in a sense, but it is technically the same what game. NHL 16 was to the Xbox One. That is NHL 16 technically to the prior gen. But it's the same Fuck game Jonathan as NHL 15. Tate. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>